0: Around 2,000 years ago, a star was seen somewhere in the east. It's likely to have been a comet. The Greek language at the time didn't distinguish between stars and comets, and it was said to be moving. Comets move, so possibly a comet. It was seen as a sign of divine providence. It confirmed that the one it was pointing to was divine, Son of God, Saviour of the world. His name was Augustus. He was the Caesar of Rome. He was the ruler of the known world. Everybody knew about this sign. This was just the way things were. The problem the people who first read Matthew's Gospels would have had was not that a star appeared pointing to a divinity. The problem was where it appeared and who it appeared to. It appeared in Bethlehem, in the middle of nowhere, a tiny little hamlet in an out-of-the-way province of the massive Roman Empire. And it appeared to a non-entity, a very ordinary person, a very ordinary family. Augustus was the kind of person who got to see a star, Alexander the Great was the kind of person who got a virgin birth. Not a nobody. Not somebody from, I don't know, Waradale or Marion or Adelaide. Doesn't make any sense. No wonder they were upset and confused. No wonder Herod was frightened and all of Jerusalem with him. No wonder in the Luke story... The angel kept saying to each person the angel appeared to, do not be afraid. This whole story is crazy. It's like hearing that a kid born, say, in one of the town camps just outside of Alice Springs is the most important person in the world who will change everything. It just doesn't make any sense. And then we get what we call the three wise men or as Nina said it in her prayer, the wise ones. We say there's three because we've got three gifts, and that seems easy enough. Everyone's supposed to bring a gift. We say they're wise because they were likely to be scholars from, uh, from the East. Maybe they were Zoroastrian priests, one of the very ancient religions of the world. And we say they were men, of course, because, well, because it's always men, isn't it? But how wise were they, really? I mean, think about it. They first, they go to the right place because they're searching for the one-born king of the Jews. So they turn up where? In a palace in Jerusalem, the capital. That's where you're supposed to go. That's where kings always are. That's where Herod the Great is king, who, by the way, is called great, not because he did great things, although he did have a massive building program on the back of the slaves, but he's mostly called great because he was the most bloodthirsty of kings. So bloodthirsty that even Augustus, the Caesar at the time, said he'd rather be Herod's pig than Herod's son because he killed a few of his sons. He killed one of his wives. He killed many, many other people in his family and in the community. So these guys, the wise ones, go and see the current king and say, where's the new king? How wise were they? And this King Herod, he's paranoid. He never feels like he's totally accepted as king of the Jews. He was put in as king of the Jews by the Roman Senate. He was a puppet king. Never really fully accepted. And so they come and say, where is the child born to be king of the Jews? Because it isn't you. You weren't born. You know, we know how kings work. We've just got a new one. How do you get to be king? Well, you don't die before whoever was king or queen before you, and you get born into that family. That's all you do. Where is the child born to be king of the Jews? The one made king by the Roman Senate, by the overlords, he's right in front of them. But they seek legitimacy. No wonder when King Herod heard this, he was frightened. No wonder everybody in Jerusalem was, because what does this mean, more civil war? They just had that 100 years before, and they're about to have it again only 30 years after Jesus' death. So where is this one? Well, he's not in Jerusalem. That's where the power is, but he's not there. He's in the small town. And smallness is going to be the mark of his whole life. He will be the friend, not of the rich and the powerful, but of the poor and the marginalised. He will be a sign that is so strange, so unpowerful, that it will be rejected over and over. Even the end of his life is a total scandal. He's executed as a criminal, treason charges. But he'll tell the people over and over again that the world that God is bringing into being is a world that's as small as a seed in the earth, as small and yet as influential as yeast in a dough. And he keeps saying all the way through his life, a new world is arriving all the time. It's always coming. It'll be full of uncertainty. Interest rates going up, rent and house payments going up, the cost of power, war in Ukraine, the possibility of war with China over Taiwan. Nothing is certain. As we look into our future, we don't know what it's going to be like when we enter 2023. This all seems so strange, this story of a star appearing in the world and it being not about Caesar Augustus, not about Alexander the Great. There's stories about stars and comets at his beginning too. Not about any of them, but about this non-entity, this little thing. It's about the little things, not the grand things. It's about the smallness of people, not the big projects. In Luke's Gospel, the big project is a census for all the world. We've seen these big projects many times. The Crusades was a big project about saving the world and slaughtering millions. We saw it again in the Spanish Inquisition. They have a system. We can still read the records, meticulously kept records of ongoing damage year after year to hundreds and thousands of people. And we don't even need to speak about Germany in the 1930s. We can still read their records, meticulously kept records of death and destruction and genocide. We know about big projects. This project, this star, is turning up in the small things. It's in the handmade gift that you receive this Christmas rather than the big thing. Yeah, you don't know what you're going to do with it, you need to put it on the shelf, but it's made with love. It's a small thing, not the big thing. It's in kindness. Rather than grand demonstrations of love, I don 't know you've been to a rock and roll concert, but there's always oh, somewhere in the concert where the artist says, "I love you all," and they looks at his thing to find out which town he 's in. "I love you all, Adelaide. I have no idea what that means. I don 't even know actually most of the time what it means to love somebody, but I really know what it means to be kind to someone because I know what it means when someone is kind to me. It's the small thing, not the big thing. It's sometimes silence rather than speech. That's why we, churches all over the world, and faiths, as Belinda read to us across the world, use light, little candles, because you don't have to say anything. I went to a worship service many years ago in a big cathedral where we lit, I don't know, many thousands of candles. All we did was light them and then just sat there for about an hour. And I looked around every now and then and people were weeping. No one had said anything. No one had done anything. Sure, it was this extraordinary building. But it was these little lights. Some just lit, some battling their way through the air conditioner for four weeks now. I think we got the wise ones in this story as, a, as one final sign to remind us that this whole thing is going to be small. It's as if we can't believe it, so we get gold and frankincense and myrrh and blokes dressed in, you know, all that stuff that we see year after year if we go to see a, a pageant. It's the last... It's like a kindness saying, look, here's one more shot at what it won't be like. It won't be like this. There won't be kings. There won't be wise persons. Not the way we recognise. It'll be different. Born not in a palace but in a house. Born to be a sign that God is with us. That the energy that fires and transforms and maintains the universe somehow lives in human beings it's in us that's the story of christmas isn't it it's in us now i do not want to believe that because i've lived with you lot and you've lived with me and you know look we even on christmas day we don't scrub up that well most of the time do we we know i know more about how difficult it is to be me than you do, and you know more about how difficult it is to be you than I do, it's not easy. It's not easy to believe that a star would appear in the heavens and not point to the ruler of everything, but to a kid in a manger. It's not easy to believe that the power of the universe, the energy... That the Apostle John says is all love could appear in you or in me. But that's the story we've got to tell. We tell it every week and we tell it every year at Christmas time. Hard to believe. Some days much harder than others. But this is the story we tell and we remind each other of it. That in you, in each of us, in me, is the spark of the divine is god present in us some of you are looking back at me like yeah can you shut up now cuz i really want to go home and have christmas lunch and i will shut up now but this will never leave you alone this will niggle at you this will burrow into you until maybe one day long in the distance in your life You will begin to see it grow in you, small as a flame, the truth that God is with you and in you. Emmanuel.